All right, welcome to the first of its kind, world-changing manufacturers network. Lisa Ryan has her ears to the ground and her heart in the game. Get ongoing education and new connections right here with Lisa and the manufacturers network. Buckle your seat, listen, and spread the word. Here's Lisa. Hey, it's Lisa Ryan. Welcome to the Manufacturers Network podcast. Our guest today is Gil Mayrun. Gil is founder and CEO of Cobot Nation, Architects of Automation. Prior to Cobot, Gil was a pioneer of the consumer 3D printing industry as the founder and CEO of Botmill 3D, which manufactured and sold the first fully assembled desktop 3D printers. Botmill was acquired by 3D Systems Corp. He currently resides in Las Vegas, Nevada with his wife and two children. Gil, welcome to the show. Thank you. So share with us a little bit about your background and what led you to everything that you're doing in robotics and automation now. So I started in 3D printing and in 3D printing, 3D printing is inherently slow. So there's only so many things that you can do to speed up a printing process when usually they use lasers or they use plastic filament or they may use some other method, but most of the time it's going either point by point or layer by layer. So the only way that you can actually speed up 3D printing is typically through something like automation. And so we recognized really, really early on that automation was in the same type of a phase as 3D printing when I was when I sold the company back in 2011, where there were very few companies taking it on as a almost on a consumer level. The industrial patents are starting to expire. And it makes sense that the adoption is coming around now, especially since you have things like COVID and so on and so forth. Right. Yeah, that really has that really has changed the industrial landscape, hasn't it? Yeah. So my background in, in 3D printing led me to doing automation and robotics. It's a very similar type of process when it comes down to sales and other things like that. The only difference over here is that we deal with customers directly. So we're not making a product which we're just selling as a commodity. We are making a product which is highly custom, uh, customizable to the customer's needs. And yeah, that that's really what we do. We, we do something very few do. What led me over to robotics is the fact that 3D printing is slow. It's inherently slow. And the way that you can speed it up is through automation. So automating little tiny tasks in between the larger tasks. And in automation, especially in the industrial robots as well, we saw the exact same scenario that we saw in 3D printing in 8, 2008, 9, 10, which led me to sell the company in 2011. And that is where the industrial companies, so all the large industrial robotic arms and things like that, uh, they're extremely high priced. It's very difficult to integrate within uh, your company. And so we saw that the opportunity was the identical to what we saw in 3D printing. Oh, wow. So what do you think when it comes to robotics? We've been talking a lot about automation and the need for automation, but what role do you think that robotics plays as far as the future of manufacturing? 
So I think uh, the role that robotics plays in the future of manufacturing is probably upwards of 95% or more within the actual processes that are being done. Our engineers go out to facilities on a daily basis, and it's amazing how many facilities that we go to, which is some of the larger, largest names in the world, and they have absolutely no automation, or the automation that they think they have is not really automation. It's not really helping out the flow of what they're doing. So all of the repetitive tasks, all the things where you have humans that could be sitting on the floor, sitting on a chair, they're do doing things for a few hours at a time because there's safety reasons or they just physically get tired. Those are all things that are going to get replaced. Those are all things that we can easily have robots do. And those are things that are happening right now. And you'll probably see a massive transition happen over the course of the next 12 to 24 months, especially considering that from a lot of our customers, we're seeing that they're having problems hiring labor. So not only are they automating, but they're having problems hiring labor. So what do you think has been part of the hesitation when you go into these plants, especially large companies where you think that automation is going to be a natural fit? Why the hesitation for bringing any automation in? Robotics in general and manufacturing in general, uh, just the sound, the taste of it is typically gritty. It's a dirty business. And what comes with that is a lot of wiring and a lot of electronics and a lot of things along that nature. So the hesitation is really just a fear factor as to how do I get into this? Uh, it sounds like it's going to be so expensive because only the largest companies on the planet have it. When they look at videos of Tesla and they see these robots operating on things, there's no way that somebody who has a singular plant is ever thinking to himself, oh, I can do what that guy does because... They're doing it because they make a lot of money. And so what we're seeing now is that the ability to get into it is it doesn't take a lot of money at all. In fact, it takes tens of thousands, if not just a few thousand dollars to get into automation these days, as opposed to what it would have been like just a few years ago, which is hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, just to automate a singular task or a singular cell. So the hesitation is really price. The hesitation has been the perceived fearness of what comes along with it. And not only that, let's keep in mind, the owners of a lot of companies out there, whether unionized or not, the hesitation is also around the human aspect of what's happening there. And we're starting to see more and more companies finally getting a grip around, look, automation is happening. If I don't do it, somebody else is going to do it. And by the time I do it, if I'm the only one who does it, anyone else is probably somewhere in the range of about 18 to 24 months behind me, and my throughput has already increased. So that gives me a huge leg up to get customers and other things like that. So hesitation, I think that's uh, starting to, to cancel itself out, and I think uh, more and more are coming along the lines of adopting automation. Well, and when we talk about the human factor and the potential displacement, you know, there's pros and cons in that. The pros, of course, being that with labor being as hard to find as it is, that that eliminates some of that. And it also gets rid of the, uh, the repetitive tasks and makes for a safe, safer environment. The cons, of course, is that people are going to lose their jobs. So how do you deal with both 
ends of the spectrum as far as helping people to incorporate more robotics in their facility. If you know that automation is coming, then you should have an ability to prepare at least to a slight degree as far as trying to train yourself within more management within the company that you're with, uh, within operating not just a cell, but now maybe you're operating multiple cells at the same time. I think that for the companies themselves who are automating, we have yet to see a company where the only reason that we automate is safety. They may start out that way, but all in all, at the end of the day, it's also throughput. It's how much can they get done in a given time period. And it's always going to be more with a robot. It's always going to be more consistent with a robot. A robot ultimately pays itself off. So you have no cost associated with it over time, except for maybe a slight support cost to keep it up and running throughout the years. But then, of course, you have the cons. And the cons are really on the human side of things. But for humans, for people, there are things that can be done. First off, with the companies. If they're automating, they should be compensating the people that are remaining at the company. They should be giving good packages for the people who are leaving the company. They should be raising the wages. So we shouldn't be hearing from a lot of these companies that, oh, we can't find labor. That to us is slightly ridiculous. If you're automating and you know exactly what your margins are going to be, you know exactly what you're going to make. Most of the companies we deal with are publicly traded, so they know what the effect is on what it is that they do. There should be no reason why they can't incorporate a program to, to raise wages, to give good benefit packages, to give good retirement packages, and to ultimately offer more training to the employees who may need that training, especially the younger ones coming in. And how do you start that conversation with the employees, getting their feedback, taking a look at the tasks that could be automated, kind of getting their feeling maybe for where they want to go in the company, if they want to stay with the company? I mean, is there some kind of process that you have seen your clients go through at the from sure. the starting point? Sure. So uh, I would say even about two years ago, when we would go to a facility visit, many times we would disguise ourselves. We wouldn't wear a Cobot Nation hat or a shirt uh, or something along those lines. Now we do. Uh, now when our engineers show up, we're fully branded. The employees know what's going on. Many of them get excited because many of them were helping out their job to a very good degree because most companies that start in automation, it's a phase process. They usually don't just automate an entire facility in one shot. Usually it's a process. So they might automate uh, one line, then two lines, then the majority of the faci facility, and then ultimately all of the facility at the end of the day. And when you're talking about cobots, talk a little bit about that because there's the, the term itself, how that's playing out, and then also how cobots can augment you know, the capabilities of the humans that you still have working there? Cobots, the definition of a cobot is a collaborative robot. So this could be a robot that has the ability to work with or without a human. Most of the robots that we make at my company are collaborative. So we make them with the intention of having them work next to a human. Even though we put all the safety precautions the intention is that it could work next to a human. So for example, it'll have perimeter sensing. So it won't go beyond a certain point. 
we can add other sensors. So when a human enters into a room, maybe the robot slows down. If the robot is to hit somebody, it stops immediately. Uh, so there's other things that we can't stop. So if you were to run into the robot, that's your own fault. But, <laughs> but other than that, that's pretty much where, where we see how it's able to work with humans. But then again, I also want to point out collaborative robots are really just a lead generator. It's really just an entry point in getting to full automation. So collaborative robots, every time we gain a new customer, every time somebody takes it on, uh, within a month, they call us back and they say, hey, can we do this again over here? Uh, because many times they have repeat things that they're doing. So we have some customers where one robot is going to replace 21 people on one line in a day. So that's seven people per shift, three shifts, one robot replacing them and also quadrupling their throughput. So that, that's just a really good example as to what these robots can do, whether they work, work with or without a human, that certainly is the collaborative nature. Uh, and we certainly do that with every single customer, but usually it leads up into full automation. Hmm. So what do you think are some of the things, some of the myths about automation or some of what people don't tell you about automation that actually happens in the real world? I think a lot of people think that they can't do automation for whatever reason that may be. Maybe it's because they're not an engineer. Maybe it's because that they're just not adept to certain things or they're just set in their ways. You know, there is a warning out there. So for those who have contract type of businesses, so let's say a contract manufacturer who has a machine tending process. So they deal with the CNC machine and they're doing the same process day in and day out. They have the same customer. Uh, these are the people that need to, to really start to embrace automation uh, because if their neighbor gets automation, they're going to lose that business immediately. And there goes their entire livelihood. And I can tell you the amount of smaller companies that rely on one, two, or three main customers. And if they lose them, they lose their, they lose their, their livelihood. So I think that just the perceived nature of automation, that needs to change. I think people need to start to embrace automation. It's going to happen whether they like it or not. I might be a catalyst in my own right but it doesn't mean that somebody else won't be. And so, yeah, it needs to be embraced and the, the gritty nature of it needs to be perceived a little differently. The way that we're doing the branding at our company is in much more of a Willy Wonka type of a style. So if you walked into our office, you wouldn't actually see any robots until you walked into one of our collaboratories, which is also a play on the words collaborative okay. and laboratory. <laughs> so collaboratory and you open the door and suddenly you see overhead conveyors and you see different types of robots and you see vision systems and things like that. And so, so we really try to take that automation, break it down into something that makes sense for the customer. And again, most of our customers have absolutely no engineering talent whatsoever at their company. So we do these things from scratch. Uh, we train them as to what to do uh, and we move on from there. So that's one way to go about dealing with uh, having people adopt automation. 
Well, and I think one of the things we've seen in the last couple of years with COVID is the speeding up of technology and how much more user-friendly things have become because we've been forced into technology adoption. So from your standpoint, what are some of the, uh, the coolest things that you've seen as far as making the software more user-friendly or getting people involved, getting people trained, because I'm sure that it's certainly easier today than it was just a couple of years ago to get involved with robotics. For example, all of our competitors, they try to sell their collaborative robots as robots that are easy to program, that you can do by yourself. If you just buy the robot, we end up getting a lot of calls from those customers that say, hey, I still have the robot in the box. I have no idea what to do. And so the way that we handle things at my company is we do not have the customer do any programming whatsoever. The interface that we give them is custom to their company. It could be branded to their company, and it could be as simple as they want it to be. So if they only want it to adjust a cycle time, then that's all the robot is going to do. And then this way, it makes it a lot easier to train other people who are getting into automation on how to actually deal with all of these robots and things like that. So some of the cool things that we're, uh, that we're seeing are the ability to integrate all of the machines on the machine floor very easily. We're seeing that uh, because of that, it's very easy for automation to start to take place. We're seeing that people are getting a little more excited about automation rather than scared of automation. I think that's going to play a big part when it comes to unionized companies. They really need to think about what it is that they're going to do. But some of the cool things on top of just those regular normal type of scenarios are the type of things that we're working on. So for example, the ability to go into a bin of a whole bunch of different objects and for the robot to be able to identify exactly what it's looking for, whether by shape, color, texture, whatever the case may be, it can pick it up, it can do something with it, it can have multiple tools on that, uh, it can go directly over to a welding cell, it can then go directly over to a painting cell, and it can go directly over to the truck. And so we're seeing all of these things start to happen and people are excited about it. And it's nice that you take away that fear of kind of the done for you, because yeah, when you have that robot sitting in a box, I'm sure that you're like, I have no idea. And you've spent enough money that you don't want to break it the first time you take it out. So just having somebody that you can lean on to get the system going for you sounds like a really good plan for getting started. And it allows for the companies to really manage their employees accordingly. So the ones that can stay on board, it's very easy for them to stay on board. It's very easy for them to be trained. The ones who are not staying on board, uh, well, they should be offered a, a greater incentive for, uh, for leaving, or they should be offered more training in whatever the, the field may be. Now, is there a, a success story or two that comes to mind when you think about the difference that cobots have made for one of your clients? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I don't, we, we can't really name names. We have a case no, that's study. Fine. That's coming, no, no, it's okay. We have a case study that's coming out in about a month uh, with one of our customers. What I can say is this, they are a billion dollar company. They deal with pipes, with corrugated pipes. 
one of their processes, which involves 17 different humans, okay? So one of their lines, so think of an entire line, you have 17 people across this line, and right at the end of the process, you have somebody sitting on the floor who's taking a pipe and who's putting a pipe into a machine that's basically banging the end of the pipe. We call that a swaging machine. So it has a whole bunch of dyes inside and it just bangs the end of that pipe to shape it into whatever it is that they want. Okay. Well, this person is sitting on the floor and they're basically taking these pipes, which are extremely sharp. They have to wear gloves and they have to put one in, take it out, switch it over, put it in, take it out, move on to the next one. And they have to do it within a certain time period because the machine itself is what's timed, not the person. So the person doesn't doesn't actually have a way to, oh, let me just press a foot pedal every time I'm ready. No, they need to keep up with the machine. And so the only way to make that consistent, safe, uh, something that's really worthwhile, that really brings a profit to the company immediately is to replace it with a robot. So that's one of the case studies that we have coming out. We think it's going to be a very formidable one. And uh, this is the kind of company where when they did it once, they saw the improvement within the first day, and then they, they decide to do it across all of their other facilities. So, Wow. So it sounds from that, that it's really taking a walk around the plant and seeing those repetitive tasks, seeing those people sitting on the floor, you know, putting themselves in some danger, that that may be the best place to start just to kind of to see how it works. Uh, that's exactly correct. If somebody has any notion of their company having an ability to be automated, they can certainly come to my company. We will send an engineer out immediately. We have engineers all over the place. The engineer's job is to go and look at every application. They'll walk through the facility. They'll identify every application. They'll rank every application on what's the most important thing to the customer. And then, of course, we can come back to them with a return on investment. We can show them which application application will make them the most money, uh, which one is good for them to do now, what they should be phasing out later on, and so on and so forth. So we give a good starting point. Uh, we don't know about the rest of the companies. We don't think that they operate in much of the same way. But for us, it's very important to uh, hold the hand uh, as we go through the process. Right. So is there anything else? Because generally I ask, you know, what the process is of how you work with your customers. And it sounds like you just gave me that answer. So is there anything else that you feel either in working with your customers or that we didn't cover today that would be helpful for people to know about robotics and getting started? I think one thing to know is that uh, any customer that has anything to do with manufacturing that's something that they should be looking at uh, automation for. And if they don't, uh, they should certainly be weary of their competitors. And when their competitors are looking at automation, other than that, I think we covered most of it. We, we try to simplify the process as much as possible. We think that we're doing a pretty good job at it. My background dictates that. And so we're going to continue on this path and simplifying and trying to have uh, as many people as possible adopt it. All right, wonderful. Now, if somebody did want to get a hold of you to con uh, continue the conversation, what would be the best way for them to do that? Sure. So uh, to get a hold of me personally, I could be reached via LinkedIn or I could be reached via my company. 
Other than that, there's no other way to reach me. I'm completely dislocated from any other social network. The company, however, we have that on every single social network, Cobot Nation. But yeah, that's that's how to go about getting in touch. All right, and I will put your contact information there in the show notes too. So Gil, it has been a pleasure talking to you today and learning about all the robotics and, and what's new in those worlds. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you very much, Lisa. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm Lisa Ryan, and this is the Manufacturers Network Podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Hey, do me a favor. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Also, feel free to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues so we can grow the network and connect more fantastic folks just like you. You can either go to the website at manufacturers-network.com or share the podcast on your LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you and your industry friends hang out. The bigger and faster we grow this network, the stronger and deeper community we will have. I appreciate you. Thank you.